welcome to Now Playing Podcast Street Fighter Retrospective Series. So you want to fight me? You came from across the world to fight me, soldier. Now is your chance. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. That's great news, General. Congratulations. Hosted by Arnie. Are you men enough to fight with me? Justin. Anyone who opposes me will be destroyed. And Stuart. I hear he's forced to be reckoned with. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. You don't want to take it to this dance, detective. But you've never even seen me dance. Listener discretion is advised. They will talk. Or they will die. Today we're discussing Street Fighter, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Raul Julia, Ming-Na Wen, Damien Chapa, Kylie Minogue, <laughs> directed by Stephen E. D'Souza. For you, the most important day of your life was when Now Playing reviewed the Street Fighter movie. But for us, it was Tuesday. This is Arnie, co-host Now Playing. And Stuart. And this is Justin. If I'm not done podcasting in 15 minutes, evacuate without me. We've reached Street Fighter. It's amazing how quickly we are just hating the dregs of video game movie adaptations. We're just knocking them out. Double Dragon, Mario Brothers, now the two Street Fighters. We're basically doing movies Arnie swore he'd never watch again. Yeah, if you were telling me this was the worst we were going to see, I'd feel better about it. I'm like, woo, passing a gallstone. But Arnie, I think it's going to be this way all year long. (laughs) I've never heard anything good about most of these movies. But yeah, Street Fighter is another notorious bomb. Coming to arcades, we're, we're doing it now because we're trying to follow Game Order. Came out about a month later from Double Dragon in arcades in 1987. And same thing with this movie. It came about a month after that Double Dragon we reviewed last week. And to be fair, it it even hits me here as we're talking about the movie Street Fighter. It's hard to say Street Fighter without adding the two after it. I really think where this franchise or this name gained popularity is once part two of the game came out. At least for me, I knew nothing about the original Street Fighter game. That seems to be the case, is I can't find anyone that... We didn't even play it. Ari and I sat down because I didn't know this game, and he was like, let me just get you to the one that people like. It was really 1991, Street Fighter Two: The World Warrior, that I think came out for a Super NES, and that's the one that everyone really likes. Kind of like, no one likes Mario Brothers, they like Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I'm surprised there was a Street Fighter 2. I actually did break out on my Raspberry Pi and play the arcade Street Fighter 1. It came out in 87. You could see the fetal shape of Street Fighter 2 in it. You can only play as Ryu or Ken. I always wondered why those two characters were so close. It's because they were the exact same character in one, just with a palette swap. So you, they looked different. And you could fight four different people. The controls were really flimsy. I learned about Street Fighter when I was a freshman in college. My first semester, my roommate, I had seven roommates. But my bunkmate, who actually slept in the same, like, double bunk with me, brought his Super Nintendo. And he had Street Fighter 2. And 
every single person in our quad got addicted. There were eight of us all rooming together. There were eight characters in Street Fighter. We each picked one. Every single person picked one that kind of looked like them. Yes, I had a roommate that looked like Blanca. <laughs> Except for me, because I was the odd man out. I was Dalsium, who looks nothing like me. Well, I don't know. You got those scrawny long arms. <laughs> yeah, sure. They stretch all the way across the room, sometimes to choke me. <laughs> and... My roommate, who was kind of a spindly guy, ended up being Chun-Li, so it all really worked out. And we played the hell out of Street Fighter 2. Now, I couldn't stand those guys except for when we were holding game controllers, so I moved out after the first semester, but I wanted to take the game. So Christmas was coming, my parents said, what do you want? I'm like, I want Street Fighter for PC, because obviously it'll be just as good. They got me Street Fighter 1 for MS-DOS. Oh my Ooh. god. I played it because I wanted the Street Fighter experience, but if I thought the arcade game was klutzy, I actually loaded this thing up. It is really, really bad. So I had played Street Fighter 1, the PC port, mm. back in the day, but Street Fighter 2 was my jam, and then I'd play it in the arcades. Literally, I'd be getting an oil change. They'd have Street Fighter 2. I'd go in there. I got pretty good at Street Fighter 2, but fast forward 25 years. You'd think they'd be on Street Fighter 82, right? They're only on Street Fighter 5. Street Fighter 5 was released in 2016. Street Fighter 5, the arcade edition, was released just a few weeks ago. What they did was... Every year they'd put out a new Street Fighter game. There've been literally over 50 Street Fighter games. But it was like Street Fighter 2 Alpha, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Street Fighter 2 The New Warriors. I cannot tell you. I did a deep dive. I still can't tell you a lineage of these freaking games. And maybe no need because they're all variations on the same thing. I don't think I realized last week Justin, you said something that really didn't make sense to me, but now that I've seen this week's movie and played this week's game, did. Is that Double Dragon really should be called Street Fighter because those guys are in the street fighting. Whereas Street Fighter, the game is really just like a tournament. You're one-on-one, -on -one, or at least when Arnie and I played, I guess you can play the computer or bosses, but Arnie played against me and kind of showed me all the characters. It's the same thing over and over again. There's no storyline. There's nowhere to go. There's no different levels. It's just three rounds and somebody's the winner. That's exactly it. The great thing about Street Fighter 2, I think, is its simplicity. Sure, there's eight characters that you can learn all their unique moves to. And there's different backgrounds that have little animations going on that you can watch as you're waiting your turn. And like Arnie said, it makes it more interesting for a group of people to sit around and actually play a tournament yourselves. And yeah, there's no story, but there's animations of flying from the U.S. to Hong Kong to fight over there. It's just simple, straightforward, and if you can learn the moves, you're in that world. There was a little bit of story. Now, when I was playing Street Fighter 2 against all those guys, I'd play as those characters too, and I beat the game on warrior level with everybody but Zangief. I could not beat M. Bison with Zangief no matter how many times I played it. But if you won the game, you'd actually see their story. You'd find out that Guile was trying to avenge his old friend Charlie, who Bison killed. Mm. You'd find out each one had a personal motivation, and that's something that has been expanded upon to the point that if you go to the Street Fighter wiki, each of these characters has this convoluted backstory that's been told throughout these 50 games. 
Okay, but done in as an afterthought. You know, games themselves, at this point particularly, weren't about telling complicated stories. The surprise is I liked it. I thought I didn't like fighting games. I don't watch boxing. I don't ever play Double Dragon, Mortal Kombat, none of it. But actually, once you kind of get in the groove and you find a character you like, I found out my guy was Honda. And once you have someone that you can win with, it does become somewhat addicting. And when you say someone you can win with, you mean you could just hit the same single button over and over doing the hundred slap of fury move <laughs> and kick my butt because I just couldn't jump over it. Oh, yeah. Artie's still bitter that he's like, oh, I'll show you how to play. And I'm like, thump, 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 thump. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm winning, right? Now, Justin and I also played and we played Street Fighter 4 over Xbox, and those have a lot more characters in it, too, but not a whole lot that are going to impact these two movies. I found it very interesting when watching the Street Fighter movie that it said based on the video game Street Fighter 2, not based on the Street Fighter series of games, very specifically based on 2. And Unlike Super Mario Brothers, where Nintendo was off in Japan and let these people make a debacle of a movie on their own, Capcom was intimately involved in this debacle of a movie. Yeah, Capcom, from what I understand, learned from Super Mario Brothers that Nintendo's mistake partially was just saying Hollywood do whatever you want and Technos, I don't even know who those guys are, but clearly they didn't give a f*** what they did to Double Dragon, because look at it. <laughs> but Capcom cared, and Capcom came up with what I would call a pretty decent budget, $35 million budget. It's not... As big as the biggest action movies of the early 90s, certainly Die Hard 2 or Last Action Hero or triple that budget. But by and large, you can make a pretty impressive action movie for 35 million budget. I would say that maybe Capcom was smart enough to understand what they had as far as their property was concerned. Because as we'll go forward, I'm not sure how many more movies we're going to talk about that are in the fighting realm. Two Mortal Kombats, at least. And then isn't Dead or Alive one? Sure. Tekken. <laughs> yeah. We'll be doing it for some time. Funny you bring up Tekken, because what I was going to get at is Street Fighter 2 was one of the first, if not the first, just kind of head-to-head, side-to-side fighting style game. It would be knocked off and redone year after year by other companies until eventually somebody came along and made like Virtual Fighter or Tekken, where now you're you're in more of a 3D realm. And that caught on for a while. But that kind of died off, and even today's modern games went back to this kind of side-scroll, two-on-two fighting style. So there was something very simple about what they had there. But more than that, Capcom knew what they needed to protect more than the fighting style of their game was their characters. Maybe that's why, you know, they were so involved with the production of this movie, because they knew their characters are what actually made their property what it is. And they wanted their characters front and center. One of the orders to the filmmakers was, we have 16 playable characters in Street Fighter 2, the new class or whatever. So you must put all 16 in this movie. Yeah, it's not an impossible task, but I'm surprised at how they did it. I can say that... Once we get into the film, I don't see much resemblance to the game itself. I think that they thought that with 35 million, they wanted to get an expert Hollywood action guy. And they kind of did. 
You guys know Steven D'Souza, maybe not as a director, but certainly he wrote many things from the 80s people beloved, Commando, Running Man, Die Hard 1 and 2, both 48 Hours movie, Hudson Hawk, which supposedly was a good script before Bruce Willis ad-libbed. I cannot believe that. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a go-to writer if you were going to do an action film, and this is his directorial debut. He may have been a go-to guy in the 80s. You mentioned Hudson Hawk. The same year as Street Fighter, he was also the writer of Beverly Hills Cop 3, which sucked balls, and the Flintstones, which we've already made fun of in this retrospective of video games. Not fair. <laughs> Flintstones was written by 30 different people. I mean, everyone in Hollywood wrote a line of that. What's a stone pun? Okay, it's in. You're a writer. <laughs> and the next year, he'd do the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd. So I think somewhere around the time of 1990 and Die Hard 2, somebody stole his mojo and we were left with Hudson Hawk and Judge Dredd and yes Street Fighter here with Jean-Claude Van Damme does he like the game because I would have thought this would have been simple particularly when they say Jean-Claude Van Damme Van Damme had done movies like this Bloodsport or Kickboxer there's a secret fighting competition you enter it you fight a whole bunch of people and at the end you fight the big boss that's a very simplistic plot that would very closely emulate the gameplay instead D'Souza comes up with a whole sprawling universe of war it's a war comedy I just wouldn't have expected that they wanted this to be very light and play to all audiences. They had a contractual obligation for a PG-13 rating. The original cut of this did get rated R, so they cut out almost every piece of violence. They sent it back to the MPAA. The MPAA gave it a G rating, and they're like, wait, we can't have a G rating. So they literally inserted through overdubbing a couple curse words. So what we're actually watching is a G-rated film with cursing. Yeah, there's not a lot of fighting, and there's definitely not a lot of blood or intense adult action violence. So PG-13, I hadn't seen what the rating was, but God, that seems a little excessive, frankly. Yeah, PG easily. But Capcom had always envisioned Jean-Claude Van Damme as Guile. It's interesting as I got into this that they modeled a lot of their characters after real-world figures. In fact, in the Japanese version, the person we know as Bison was actually named Vega, and Bison, M. Bison, was the boxer who we know as Balrog because he was supposed to be Mike Tyson, ah. so they went M. Bison, but when they sent it to the States, A, somebody in the States said Vega is too weak a name for your final boss, and B, somebody said Mike Tyson's gonna sue you if you have a boxer named M. Bison, so they swapped some names around. Definitely makes sense. And again, I'm very curious to see what's influencing video games. At this point, video games are the imitator. They look at what's popular, do that, and maybe people will play our game. And at some point, that table is going to shift and we're going to see Hollywood try to play catch up with what's going on in the video game world. But as of right now in 1994, it makes sense that they would have had a video game full of wannabe action star templates taken from Sly, Arnold, Van Damme, you bet. So with Van Damme being basically the only person they would let be Guile, 
That took eight million of the thirty-five million dollar budget. Was he worth that? I mean, this it's <laughs> worth pointing out. Our first Van Damme movie. I don't know how many shows we've done at this point, but we have never covered Jean-Claude Van Damme in a podcast. We're talking about almost eight hundred movie review podcasts. We did cover JCVD. It was Jacob's pick for our underrated movies book, but that is the only time Van Damme and now playing have encountered each other before here. Yeah, that seems like almost impossible odds, considering how many movies he's been in and how many movies have been covered. There should have been a crossover somewhere before now. I think we talked about Universal Soldier. I think I was the one that shouted it down. I'm like, no, we're not doing it. But I actually hear that's a pretty interesting series once he stepped away from it. But be that as it may, Van Damme at this point, and maybe always, is B-level. You know, Arnold is commanding huge salaries. Stallone is commanding huge salaries. And Van Damme is on the precipice. He has found a following because of low-budget movies. I think the movies that he is most celebrated for are his first films, Bloodsport, Kickboxer, Cyborg. And then they were like, well, let's make him the new Arnold. And they tried a couple different ways. Let's do sci-fi with Time Cop and Universal Soldier. Time Cop was actually pretty good. And Van Damme himself pointed out, Looper stole the plot of Time Cop and just did it more (laughs) noirish. But I actually stand by Time Cop from memory. Okay, you know, there was a story about twins, you know, Arnold had twins, and he played twins of himself, Double Impact, I think is what it was called. The one thing I will credit Van Damme with doing that I think is interesting and important for film is that there were a lot of Hong Kong directors that were leaving because China was taking over Hong Kong, and they would work with Van Damme first. Van Damme brought a lot of those guys over. John Woo's first American movie is a Van Damme film. Ringo Lam, all of those guys owe something to Van Damme, or... I don't know what it is when you can see the final results, but he did help break them to a wider American Western audience. And he is the right choice for this movie. Because when I think about my freshman year, when you listed a bunch of those movies, Double Impact, oh yeah, I watched that a bunch my freshman year. Cyborg, oh yeah, I watched that a ton my freshman year. It turns out all of my roommates and I were watching a ton of Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren movies, of which (laughs) our favorite by far was Showdown in Little Tokyo. We watched the hell out of that thing. So we were watching Van Damme and then played some Street Fighter 2. Yeah, it's perfect casting. And is he worth $8 million? Maybe at one point he would have been. Never. But at this point, he has come out in the years since and said, yeah, I was doing a lot of drugs at that time and had an extramarital affair with Kylie Minogue. I was barely showing up on set. I didn't quite know what was going on. <laughs> but you know what? That's also true with people that are successful. I'm not going to blame the drugs. I'm going to blame Van Damme. I, I don't think he's the greatest choice for this, partly because I don't think it features him very well and partly because... Yeah, all his movies were centered around what he could do, the splits and the karate chop and his fighting skills for a all-male audience that would gross about 30 or 40 million. He had never made something mainstream that all ages audiences had made. Unlike Arnold, he just didn't have that appeal partly because there was a language barrier. I mean, he just mangles. I know Arnold does too, but this guy really, you need to turn on the subtitles for this movie because you cannot understand what he's saying. I've never been a Van Damme guy myself. Like, I never went to see any of his movies when they were, you know, trying to make him the headliner. And you keep bringing up Arnold, but I think his contemporary is more Steven Seagal. Mm. For a time there, it was 
Seagal and Van Damme. And like it just felt like everything was martial arty or just badassery. But I think he did a fine job as Guile here. But I don't think he would have been my first choice, considering that the character of Guile is very much defined by his one note, which is his Americanness. Mm. You know, he he's the all-American guy. He's got a American flag tattoo on his arm, for God's sake. Yeah, I had to laugh when I saw that on Van Damme here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, try as they might. Yeah, see, they should have dubbed him, frankly, because, yeah, that was what I noticed from playing the game as well, is that he was essentially G.I. Joe. The archetype they were taking was, yo, Joe, Duke. He was an Air Force pilot. That's why his power was Sonic Boom! Because supersonic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they kind of do away with powers. They do away with most, I think, of the game once they took those characters out of it. They created their own universe in D'Souza. He has his own vision for how this should go. Which is very different from the other Street Fighter stories. After Street Fighter 2 was such a success, as you might imagine, there were comic books... There was a movie. A lot of people have said that they wish we had covered as part of this retrospective. They're like, it was theatrically released in Japan, and it came out the same year as this, Street Fighter II, the animated movie. Yeah, if it makes you feel better, I did watch it because people said, hey, it's a real movie. No, it's not. It is a real movie. <laughs> it's not one that we're going to devote a whole podcast to. Here's my whole thoughts about it. Yeah, it's the bloodiest Street Fighter movie of them all. I mean, it's an anime, so we get moments where people drip blood, a woman is sexually threatened. It has all the hallmarks of the genre, but I can't say that it, it held my attention. What I could say about that, I watched it too, is of all the Street Fighter stuff so far... I could understand why anime fans or why Street Fighter fans could like it. I don't like it. I would give it a not recommend. I found it to be overly cluttered and the story to be a little spastic. And I didn't quite jive with everything that was going on. But if I were deep, deep into Street Fighter or just one of those anime people and I've just never gotten into anime, I could see them giving it a pass. I would not, though. What about this one, though? Like, for me, I was a lot like you, Arnie. In college, I skipped more classes to sit around and play Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat with my roommates and friends than I probably should admit to. And this is one of the first movies that we're reviewing where the height of its popularity in homes or in the arcade is a little bit closer to a release date in the theaters. Did you go see this when it came out? Because I saw commercials. I was like, yeah, that's not for me. I'm going to stay home and play the game. I did not go and see this in theaters because it had a stench. The trailers looked bad. Van Damme looked bad. Raul Julia had passed away. This was widely known as his last theatrical released movie. And he looked silly in the ads in that red leather jumpsuit. It came out Christmas of 94. In that time, I had become a really hard PC gamer, and so I hadn't played that much Street Fighter, a game here, a game there. But I did watch this when it came out on video. I'm like, yeah, that matches expectations. I never need to look back. Oh, hi, now playing. Yeah, I have a fast food rule. It's like, look at who's doing the fast food tie-in, and that'll tell you what the expectations are for the game. If you get McDonald's, they think you're going to make a mint. If you get, like, Hardee's or Wendy's, 
hey, you might have some trouble. This got Jack in the box, okay? A oh. burger that gives you E. coli and kills one out of every million. No, this is not going to be good. I was laughing. Of course, I was in film school. I wouldn't have seen it even if it was supposed to be good. But no, this was a punchline being tossed around in class. And I had fallen out of the Street Fighter games. I'll say that when I try to play them now, I'm lost. Street Fighter 2 was pretty basic. You rolled your controller a certain way and hit a button and you did your moves. Now the moves involve, like, do a handstand while spinning and hold the joystick up your anus and push some buttons. I'm like, I cannot do my hajuken. Yeah. You know, when we played together, Arnie, it was quickly very obvious that the game has evolved beyond my basic skills, which I used to know every character's every move. Me too. And I think we said more than one time, like, how the hell did I do that? And I have no idea. It just happened. So, I mean, it's just back in the day, it was a simple game where you knew the moves. Now it's evolved into moves where you're going to need a map to find your way out of out of that. It's very telling that they've added a training room where you can just go in and start mashing buttons to learn the moves. I mean, you have to train for this almost as much as you'd have to train for an actual street fight. <laughs> yeah, and that's my problem with video games in general. Why I started to lose interest in them in the 90s was that, yeah, when you're just have one or two buttons and, uh, you know, you're just going around jumping over fences and going through doorways, no problem. Eat a pellet here or there, I can play that. But but once they involve so many buttons and you didn't even know what you could do until you did it by accident, I just wasn't looking for that level of strenuous work. It just wasn't worth it to me to try that hard at playing a video game. It should come naturally. It should be symbiotic. So that was another reason why I wouldn't play Street Fighter, why I wouldn't be interested in this movie. I will say this. Having played Street Fighter and enjoyed it with Arnie, I actually found myself slightly excited to see this movie, if for no other reason than to imagine how they were going to take all these characters and realize them on the screen. Again, I think there's something innately cool, no matter what the property is, when you take a video game and make it live action, there's just an inherent interest in how you're going to visualize that. And that was kind of what gave me the only interest I had when I hit play on this thing. Are you guys familiar with comedian Pete Holmes? He currently has a show on HBO running now. Years ago, he had a show on TBS. It was just the Pete Holmes show. And you can find these on YouTube now. He had a whole bunch of skits where he was one of the administrative assistants in an office. He was setting up the street fight tournament. So he'd have people like Blanca come in and sign off the papers about, you know, how he was going to travel to the country under the plane because he's a monster and we can't have him on the plane frightening people. <laughs> so it's just, it's a whole bunch of bits like this. You know, he had Bison in and asking Bison like, look, you know, I know you have a budget. Why are we flying each person from their country to another country and then back to their country just to have <laughs> one fight? I guess what I'm getting at here is that these little bits were something I saw before I ever saw this movie. And the costuming in, in these was something that drew my eye. There's just something iconic about the designs of these characters. And yes, bringing them to life is something that made me a little bit excited to actually sit down and watch this movie for the first time. And the costumes, I cannot ever recall in my life seeing this before this movie. But there is actually a credit. Bison costume designed by Marilyn Vance. I don't know what the hell Marilyn did to get in an opening credits. What? That's just a red leather suit. You could buy those off the rack in the 80s. But <laughs> somehow that red leather suit, that cape and that hat got her in the opening credits right 
before the costume designer and after the composer. <laughs> My ignorance, but is this a get of any kind? Was Marilyn responsible for creating anything we would know? I'm, she's not going to be remembered for the Raul Julia's suit. I can tell you that. She had done the Rocketeer. Oh, cool suit. I'll give you that. The Untouchables, Pretty Woman. I mean, okay. <laughs> she would go on to do Mystery Men. Uh, okay, so the answer is no. It wasn't <laughs> like she was a tailor to the stars or was known in fashion magazines as a git. She did Predator 2 around this time. Okay. I think that says everything. <laughs> and she worked on Hudson Hawk, so maybe she was a friend of D'Souza. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she was really friendly with D'Souza. <laughs> Is anyone friends with D'Souza after this movie, though? That's what I want to know. Arnie, why don't you give him the plot, and we can punch our way through Street Fighter. All right, 16 characters. I'm going to count them off. Okay. Raul Julia plays General Bison. One. A terrorist who has staged a war over the Asian Shadaloo City. He has captured over 60 AN, not UN, but AN, the Allied Nations relief workers, and Bison demands $20 billion for their safe release. I had misheard that in the movie as $20 million. I'm like, yeah, just pay it. Why does he want so little money? <laughs> yeah, very Austin Powers number. You're lowballing, really. <laughs> the AN refuses to pay and sends in U.S. Colonel Guile to, played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. For Guile, this mission is personal, as one of the relief workers captured is his old friend Charlie Blanca, three, whom Bison has ordered psychological and physical experiments to turn Blanca into the perfect soldier. Experiments done by reluctant scientist Dalsium, four. Meanwhile, conmen Ken, five, and Ryu, six, get in trouble with arms dealer Sagat, seven, played by Wes Studi. But Guile arrests the entire party and partners with Ken and Ryu to use them as spies in Bison's organization. They stage a breakout in which it appears Ken kills Guile, and they are taken into Sagat's confidence and to Bison's lair. Don't forget Sagat's sidekick, Vega. I get to Vega. Oh, all right. <laughs> also in the lair is telejournalist Chun Li, eight, played by Ming Na Wen. She had seemed an annoying reporter wanting to interview Guile, but after the colonel's, quote, death, unquote, she went undercover as a dancing girl at Bison's base. She wants to avenge her father's death at the hands of Bison, and joining her are former sumo wrestler Honda, 9, who posed as her technician, and boxer Balrog, 10, who pretended to be a cameraman. However, the plot is foiled and the three are captured. This is when Guile launches his attack, aided by Sergeant T. Hawk, 11, Captain Sawada, 12, who was supposed to be named Fei Long, and Lieutenant Kami, 13, played by Kylie Minogue. This plot summary has become a listing of freaking characters. <laughs> Bison's henchman DJ, 14, played by Miguel Nunez Jr., and Sagat Flea trying to steal Bison's money. Hedgeman Zangief, 15, gets into a big fight with Honda. Ken and Ryu fight against Sagat's henchman Vega, 16, all the characters. Okay. And finally, Guile and Bison face off in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Guile wins, but Bison responds with electric attacks, using electromagnetic energy to fly around, staying out of Guile's reach. Still, he loses and is seemingly killed. The hostages are rescued, but Dalcium and Blanca decide to stay inside the collapsing building, likely dying in the collapse. And Chun-Li and Guile flirt, 
as credits roll to a bonus scene. Did you guys stay for the credits? I fast forwarded. I actually did see it. Showing Bison's fist emerging from the rubble, perhaps not so dead after all. Although, Raul Julia, I mean, come on. I can think of no worse PR stunt you could do. I'm Jean-Claude Van Damme. I want to be a hero to you all. Let me beat up this Oscar-nominated actor who's dying of cancer to prove my machismo. That was the joke on campus when this movie came out is, yes, let's watch Jean-Claude Van Damme, a martial artist, beat up a dying old man. Now, Raul <laughs> Julia, it wasn't known at the time, but they could tell on set something was wrong with him. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's quite evident. Because of Julia's death, that end scene with the hand was not included in the U.S. print release. It was just put back in on video. So they did that because, yeah, of Julia. That's good to know because I actually questioned whether or not that was in good taste or not because the top of the credits is a dedication to Raul Julia. And then to end on a cliffhanger of will he be back as Bison seemed a little gauche at best. Whoever designed this costume, she can't put enough shoulder pads on to disguise the fact this guy is pallid and frail and ailing. He had had stomach surgery, that was known. It is believed that it was for stomach cancer. He would die shortly after this film from a stroke. And it is suspected it's related to the stomach cancer. But during his last few performances, this included, they said you could tell that he was looking gaunt and losing a lot of weight during the shoot. So yes, to go watch Jean-Claude Van Damme beat up Gomez Adams on his death's door was not something that I needed to really go see in theaters. Okay, so they didn't know while they were filming. That was my real question. I'm like, obviously you recast. If he shows up day one, we're sorry, Raul, you cannot do this part. I mean, it's just obvious. The optics are all wrong here. You just cannot have this be your one-on-one. Obviously, you want to get someone who's a physical equal to Van Damme, but there's almost no one in this cast other than Raul Julia that I've seen before. Well, Ming-Na Wen was an actress I did know. She had played Trudy on a sitcom called The Single Guy for a couple years. I now know her very well because she's been on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've actually got her autograph. So I knew Ming-Na Wen going in. You know Ming-Na Wen back when. (laughs) (laughs) See, I have a little bit of a, a crush on Kylie Minogue and not 80s pop music Kylie Minogue, more of her later dance track days, can't get you out of my head type of thing. Yeah, to American audiences, to this point, all she had done was a novelty cover of The Locomotion. Right. Big star in Australia, <laughs> but nobody here was like Kylie Minogue. I mean, that'd be ridiculous to put her 10 years later in a movie like this. She was no get. This felt like it should be a Van Damme movie where he doesn't have a proper foil to fight. And that, yeah, that he is actually not going to be a major focus of this movie is really surprising. I remember half watching this once. I think it was on TV and it was kind of on and I just remember feeling like Van Damme wasn't in the film but they kind of set it up here that he is leading a troop of allied forces that were back in World War II terminology the allies are fighting a third Reichish axis run by Raul Julia and perplexingly the bad guys are losing like it seems like it's just about to fall They've conquered Chatelau City, and now they just need to find the final base, and Hitler will be destroyed. I cannot tell anything that's going on in regards to this world conflict, because Bison, 
what does he want? This is, I guess, my question. $20 billion. But why? It seems like he actually wants to make the world a better place, and he thinks he's going to do that, but he's fighting in Asia, but they're not fighting over a country. They're literally fighting over a single city, Shadaloo City, unless that was the name of the nation, but all they ever say is Shadaloo City I think it's Shadaloo City in Shadaloo, but it's actually Burma. When you look at the map, and they do show that in the opening, this is actually Burma, Myanmar. This is a real country that they've rebranded. I guess they think no one knows about this country, and they can just fictionalize it here. Shadaloo and Shadalau are things from the Street Fighter mythology. It can be a place or a crime organization, depending on what you're watching and playing. So they're just taking all of these names from the game and throwing them in here. It's, I don't understand if there are so many countries fighting against this single warlord. All right, you know what? Fast forward 10 years, I understand. He's hiding in the mountains. The countries can't find him. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it was actually our whole sense of what war was, you know, was the Iraq war just a few years before, which was like we rolled in there. We won it pretty handily. And yeah, there was just a power mad dictator and he was just a bad guy on the run. And that's kind of what we're to understand here. He's wearing a Hitler Nazi regalia, and he's kind of easily conquered, but we've just got to find him. He's in a headquarters hidden deep in the Myanmar Shadalau forest, and yeah, it seems pretty easy. The only thing that he's got in his pocket is that he's kidnapped 63 relief workers, and he threatens to execute them in three days. Well, we also find out that he does have bigger plans. At one point, he is talking to Sagat. He has his own currency printed up, and he has plans on kidnapping, was it the Queen of England? Some some dignitary from England, and holding that ransom until the Bank of England recognized his currency. So he does have bigger designs other than just taking over this smaller city. I think that's a Saddam Hussein joke, though. I mean, if you remember, when we invaded, you know, we were laughing at all the idolatry and the paintings of himself and his castle and that he put his face all over the currency. I mean, the comparative to today would be Kim Jong-un. I mean, he's just a little twat that we could probably kick his ass is that we just can't quite get to him. The fact that he has these relief workers in this three-day time, it's there just to set a sense of urgency that the movie never actually sells me on. And there's a lot of characters introduced in a very short time. I mean, we start off on this newsreel, which is introduced by Ming-Na as Chung Lee. Never saw her as a reporter when I was playing the character. That actually has been adapted into part of her backstory after this movie. But this is supposed to catch us all up on Bison, who he is, what he wants. I'm still not getting it. And we see Guile roll into town, grab a mic, tell Bison where to shove it, and then talks about his friend Charlie, singling him out for torture and punishment. Had Guile not talked at all about Charlie, he'd have been fine, but there's some guy named Charlie, and sorry, Charlie, but you're going to be turned into a green monster. Coming into this movie, that was my question, is they're just going to ignore Blanca, right? The green monster from Brazil that can shoot electricity? There's no way you put that in a movie and not look ridiculous. I was right, and I was wrong at the yeah. same time. <laughs> I was going to say, that's one of your biggest sells, if done right, but if not, then you need to keep him hidden in the shadows as much as possible. Because, yeah, Blanca is the one 
non-human-ish thing from this property. And that's the thing that I want to see. And I can't imagine I'm alone in wanting to see Blanca brought to life. Right. And he's being created in a lab. And, you know, they tease that through most of the movie. But we know where it's going as soon as we hear his last name. If you know the video game, and I did this time going through the movie, I remember that character playing that character very distinctively. I thought, okay, well, we're ahead of the movie. We know where that's going to be. Let's just take a moment, though. Guile. (laughs) The only thing I could tell about him from the video game was, yeah, flat top American, that very impressive hair. But I guess it's a parody of American military might, right? Like the idea is that he is so vain and ridiculous that he's kind of a joke. That I think even though we expect Van Damme to win this fight, we're also thinking that he's a bit of a douche. Just the way he's acting. I mean, the arrogance, giving the F.U. symbol. I don't think we're supposed to like him, right? I had to keep asking myself questions like this throughout this movie because I wasn't sure if I was viewing this through my modern day sensibilities, having now seen years ago something like Starship Troopers, which was a very aware made parody of another genre. And watching a movie like this, it's hard to tell how aware they were doing certain things like this. And I don't know if I can err on the side of giving Van Damme credit for playing it one way or another on purpose. I don't think he was trying to be a parody on purpose, but I do think, much like Verhoeven would do more successfully later, D'Souza is trying to crank everything up to 11. He said his inspirations going into this, and I'm glad he said it because I was going to call him out on all of it, was James Bond, certainly with Bison's lair and his henchmen and having Zangief like odd job and all of that and Star Wars and I definitely saw elements of Star Wars in here especially with Chun-Li going in as a dancing girl and oh there was a Death Star briefing scene ripped directly from Star Wars yes yes absolutely in fact there was something about how can a single boat get through that <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was totally the wedge scene. But neither of which serves your star. Van Damme, it's his movie. He's on all the posters, got the biggest salary, and he's not playing the James Bond character, and he's not playing the Luke Skywalker character. He is playing a character, I think he's supposed to be doing Dr. Strangelove political satire and that's what's just so bizarre about this opening is that oh you cast van damme for the funny and the other people kylie minot the singer is going to be doing the action crazy there's a lot of problems i have with the balance of this movie and the fact that jean-claude does appear to drop out they fake his death not once but twice in this movie i mean the second one's pretty brief but still they kind of leave us hanging and we're going to spend a lot of time with characters that are simply not as interesting because it's not very long before we jump to supposed arm dealers ken and ryu it's supposed to be pronounced ryu even though they pronounce it ryu in the movie they're trying to sell guns to sagat who at this point has no relation to bison we just have jumped into a completely 
different movie with its own stars and its own bad guy. It's like two parallel movies that are going to collide. Yeah, why can't Van Damme be Ken? I guess because the video game character wasn't modeled that way. But you'd give the star this. These are the characters that matter. The ones that matter in Street Fighter are these apolitical con artists who kind of rally and decide to get involved in the good fight through a little bit of screenwriting magic. And in everything, and we'll talk about this more later, but I have immersed myself in Street Fighter. I have watched many more animes than the 94 one. I've watched the TV series movie. I've watched a ton. And in everything I can tell you, Ryu is the main character. It's all about Ryu. And that makes sense. He's the one who was there from the beginning. And Ken is usually by his side because they have the same moves. So it said they trained under the same master and they're good friends. Everything is Ryu, Ryu, and Ryu and Ken. So the fact that this first movie's all Guile, the second movie's all Chun-Li, they're kind of going in a different direction with this. I'm okay with making Guile your star because he was one of my favorite characters. But he's not. I mean, I think what's strange is that you've given the star the Guile part, but the story, the featured characters are Ryu and Ken. I mean, those are the ones that matter here. We're following them throughout the movie. Yeah, and I guess from my standpoint, as I stated before, never being a Van Damme guy, I'm fine at this point with just having this ensemble thrown at me, giving me a real-life version of characters that I've seen on video game screens for years. So, you know, so far the story and plot has not been that much to keep up with, and I'm not missing Van Damme when he's not on screen, I'll tell you that much. He's not funny. I mean, the idea of, like, calling... Chun-Li almost useful and Kylie Minogue being like, he doesn't hate women. I'm like, no, he hates acting. I mean, he is really <laughs> bad in this film. I mean, he's never a talented actor, but you can use his sort of innocence in the right way. If you watch a movie like Bloodsport and, you know, when he gets drunk and has to do his drunken karate and save the girl. And there are times that I think people laugh with Van Damme. And there are times where I feel like they laugh at him. But here, there's nothing funny about him. I think he thinks he's funny, and I never laugh. I just want to point out that while we're dealing with all this Guile stuff back in the city, and Chun-Li, and Cammy, when we do get to Ken and Ryu, and they're selling these tennis ball selling fake weapons i mean they're all of a sudden we're in a three stooges film as punishment they're made to fight vega and we're not too deep into the movie at this point just 15 minutes we've got characters thrown at us but the movie's called street fighter i'm like well at least we're getting to the street fighting we're gonna have a cage match here of ryu versus vega no guile's going to literally roll a tank through the wall and arrest everybody I'll put it out there. I am pissed off that this is a Street Fighter movie. There's no street fighting. Yeah. Not only that, they're teasing you, like you said. It's like almost like the director is giving a big F you and middle finger to anybody who came to this movie because they like the game. It's like the eyes wide shut of action movies. <laughs> yeah. Ryu is set up for it. I mean, they're exposed as selling phony weapons. They weren't going to be paid for them even if they were real. That's all kind of funny. He's got sort of a Han Solo backstory here. And then, yeah, thrown into the ring. We want to see this fight progress. Vega's got the Wolverine glove and the mask. You want to see that fight commence. You don't want Van Damme to cock block it, come rolling in with a tank, and then haul everyone to jail. And this movie will 
never follow up on that. I don't think that Ryu and Vega, even in the end, fight much. At the climax, there's a whole bunch of fights that go on. Ryu and Vega showdown. There's a few showdowns, but they're never given a spotlight. Yes, I guess that's what it feels like. Again, having seen all of the Street Fighter stuff, you know what that 94 movie did really well? Is it spotlighted one-on-one fights. They'd go someplace and there would be a one-on-one fight, which is what the game is, and you're able to really, in anime form, indulge the moves and bring some of them in an intriguing and visually pleasing way so that you're not just seeing pixels or sprites pop around. You're able to see real moves and counter moves and it actually got exciting, which is hard for cartoons to do for me. But it seems so obvious is what you do is you fight your way through a series of fights until you get to Bison. That's exactly the game and it's not hard to set it up right here. Take out Vega, have a fight, or have Vega take somebody out. You just need to keep it progressing up the ranks until the suspense builds. It's standard kung fu movie logic, and here, they are just going to tease us. Oh, you want to fight? No, not going to give you one. We're going to give you just little brief snippets of action and a whole bunch of stuff with guns. I think right there is a mistake is to have a Street Fighter film with a ton of guns. Yes, and I think what we're discovering here as we talk through this is the limitations of the real world here, because what you just described is what a Street Fighter movie should be. However, their main battle, the one-on-one battle that we are building up to, Bison versus Guile, is kind of lame. So they can't have anything prior to that that would outshine their final big blowout. So they're kind of handcuffed from the get-go knowing where this movie is headed. Yeah, because they have a sickly man as the final battle. I mean, it's no one wants to see that fight. You can't build to that. Here's what they could have done, and I think it would have worked much better if Ryu had won this cage match, and then, oh, well, why don't we put you on the payroll for Bison, and then he goes up the ranks, and then it's Ryu versus Guile. I mean, I think you could have had it be those two fight, and then realize they have a common interest in bringing down Bison. But yes, this movie should be a series of cage matches. There is no reason to do comedy. There is no reason to do Iraq War satire and chases. There are very little fights in this at all. It's most of the time, not unlike Double Dragon, the mistake seems to be we're just running away. And this intricate quote-unquote plot that Guile is going to partner with Ken and Ryu so that they can get in Sagat's good graces, unfortunately we're told that. I wish we hadn't been told that so that when we see Ken shoot Guile, What about some stakes? You know what would have been amazing? Spoiler alert for executive decision. If they'd used Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie, like they used Steven Seagal in executive decision, and what the hell, you killed the big action star 30 minutes in? That would have been an amazing piece of suspense for me. But instead, we already know they're all working together. So what's the point of this ruse other than to convince Seagal? to go back to Bison and go, oh, Guile's dead. You don't have to worry about Guile no more. And to add insult to injury there, you're right. This is all a ruse to fool Sagat and maybe Bison, whatever. End of story. Why is he still playing dead in the morgue hours later (laughs) waiting for Chun-Li to sneak in? That made no sense. And it's never really spelled out what Sagat's relationship with Bison is. 
Yeah, this movie's rated PG-13, but it's made for people under 13. I mean, this plot, once they pull this thing, and I go, no thinking person over the age of 13 wouldn't see that Jean-Claude Van Damme is staging his own death so that these two can get away and show him where the secret base for Bison is going to be. I mean, so this is a kid's film. We need to, now, I need to go grab him out of the sewer and get my imaginary kids and look at this through that perspective and not through action director Steven D'Souza, diehard creator judgment. I mean, that is not what they're going for. Even though they hired the guy to do that kind of action, that is not the story that they want to tell. They want to do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. My comparative at this point is, all of a sudden... We're in G.I. Joe territory, and Bison is Cobra Commander, and each side has colorful characters that would make good action figures that have specific moves and specific skills, especially more on Bison's side than Guile's, because truthfully, Cammy disappears for a whole lot of time. The fact that I had to hunt to find all 16 of these characters, Hawk made virtually no impression upon me in this movie. Much like in the game. True. It's really Bison's base where interesting characters are. You've got Dalsium, who's the Indian scientist working against his will, doing a clockwork orange-like experiment, showing Charlie Blanca all of these images. And then they have another scientist who isn't even Dalsium that we never see doing the physical experiments. You've got DJ hanging around. I do want to give a shout out to Miguel Nunez, who is getting double platinum headphones for us. Really? What's he been in? I feel like I know that name. Was he the one in the toilet in Friday Five? He is Demon yeah. from Friday the 13th Part 6, the guy who had the bad burrito and ended up in the toilet. Yeah. He is in <laughs> Return of the Living Dead. Mm, okay. He was Sticks <laughs> in Leprechaun in Space. And now here he's DJ. He's given a pretty good Arsenio Hall type performance here. I do think that they should have flipped around, though. DJ should have been working with Chun-Li because in Street Fighter 2, you have the eight characters that you can play. And if you're playing against the computer when you beat the other seven, then you go to the bosses. The bosses are Balrog, Vega, Sagat, and Bison. So I think it just makes sense that Balrog would be on Bison's side and then DJ could show up anywhere. Yeah, she didn't need too muscle on her team. Because DJ, for those who don't know, is more of a finesse fighter. He kind of breakdance fights, and it's more of a artistic type of thing. Kind of like Chun-Li. Her thing is more martial arts, while Honda is just the big sumo wrestler. And Balrog is just straight up a boxer. That's all he does. He doesn't kick or anything. He just punches. Remember, he was supposed to be Mike Tyson. <laughs> exactly. But you're right, from a movie standpoint, that would have been a better matchup, I think. But here's the thing. D'Souza has said, I'm creating new backstories for these characters. I am not going to create a storyline in which we learn who these people are through their fighting. That's the obvious way to do it. It plays to the strengths of Van Damme, who had done Kickboxer and Bloodsport. Kumite, Kumite, Kumite. Just do that. No, the fact that we have to do this complicated, sprawling, multi-tiered plot in which the characters we know from the game are nothing like the characters in this movie is head-scratching. Again, so Chun-Li, is she really a reporter or not? Help me out. 
She is a reporter. Okay. But she got the job as a reporter so that she could go after Bison and have revenge. So she got mad because Bison killed her father, which right. is from the game. And she decided to avenge him. She found other people who Bison had hurt. So she found Honda and Balrog and they all go to this universe's version of CNN. They go, Ted Turner, we want a job. We want you to send us into the war zone. We're going to report for you. So they take her, which is, of course, a very hard position to get in the real world. And it's all just a ruse because her true mission is not to get a story, but to put a bullet in Bison's head to avenge her dad. Wouldn't it be awesome to get Anderson Cooper and Wolf Blitzer like in a cage match? <laughs> like if that were actually true, if all these reporters that we watch on TV actually were secret ninjas that were trying to get close enough to their enemies. You laugh, but I tell you, Larry King is going to totally Christopher Lambert your ass. <laughs> I would love to see that i mean again and that's a fine storyline but i think that's a whole movie to have them marginalized and kind of just be in the background while we're also watching ryu and ken as con artists trying to sell fake guns and we have van damme and his troops who are fighting bureaucracy as they're winning the war taking away much of the tension it feels like way too many plot lines this could have been a tv series this could have been a cartoon gi joe might be a good comparative there but i just don't feel like as a movie from someone that is a professional writer of action movies this thing is structured to please the video game fan base or the action movie fan base no when you think about video games i hate to use this analogy because it's reductive and i love video games but think about that mouse and the pellet the mouse that is trained if you push this button you get a pellet or if you sometimes push this button you get a pellet that's even more addictive it provides the dopamine because of the gambling aspect of will i get a pellet will i get a pellet will i get a pellet that's what the video game audience wants they want the immediate gratification of i beat this guy i passed this level i did this mission and you by teasing us like this are actually anti-video game pacing here this thing is languid yeah yeah you couldn't play a game of this movie i know they made one but i wouldn't resemble anything if this were a game of this movie you'd just be kind of wandering around maybe like you know i think the biggest action in this first half is like chun li goes ninja and yeah finds van damme not dead in the undertaker's table then they have some cockamamie plan to pretend to be circus performers and go after bison that way Sure, yeah, that's where we see them at Bison's party or whatnot. And you know what? Even up to this point, to Stuart's point, I'm okay with them painting these characters from a video game that I'll profess to love because I don't feel like it's doing any disservice to what I feel like I may or may not know about their background story. So all of that is fine. But what this movie is missing is what we're all just screaming is fights it's in your name street fighter right let's have some fights up till now and so far all we've seen is like you said a little bit of chun li doing some ninja stuff some unknown guy busts into a meeting of the an and they take him out real quick oh yeah the waiter yeah the waiter who sneaks in this is our action up to this point so now we're at bison's tent party for whatever reason <laughs> <laughs> it's the celebration of sagat and his tennis ball guns 
Yeah, and again, they're sitting in a truck with explosives. That is not it. At this point, we need to see some one-on-one, one-tenth somebody's doing somebody, one-tenth somebody's doing somebody else. That is absolutely what it needs. And again, I go back to what we were talking about with Double Dragon. If this were made for kids, you'd want to steer it away from violence because video game violence, we don't want that to influence their behavior. But if you're making it for the fans of the game... Which, okay, maybe they should be older. Maybe kids shouldn't play. Maybe they should be. I'm not going to argue how old you need to be to play Street Fighter. But I will say if you're making Street Fighter the movie for PG-13 audiences, it needs to be for people that can handle a fight. Even if you make it a sillier fight, even if you make it a bloodless fight, you still need to have some punching, some kicking. It's not like this movie doesn't have it. It's not like you walk away from this movie without seeing people punched and kicked. So it's not like you're walking away from this movie with the message for kiddies, don't fight for your differences. You you see the fight. So spread it out a little bit and give it a showcase and give us the action. I think about Die Hard, which D'Souza wrote, and how McLean took out each of the goons in that building one by one. Yeah. Each one was an individual building fight and each one had its own suspense its own action and its own flavor here they're gonna save it all up for the end yeah chun lee goes rogue and decides she and her camera crew are going to go undercover as a dance troupe and sneak into bisons that way and ken and ryu are suspected of being traitors so they out chun lee a little bit but the truck comes rolling in there's no logic here i can't explain it if you watch it you're gonna go things happen yes ken and ryu say chun lee is there and she's a traitor and yes chun lee says i have a truck full of explosives i'm rolling it at you and yes nobody dies from it but a tent blows up but what the frick is the logic is there some hesitation to have for example, Chun-Li, a female character, that I think is what makes her novel in the game, fight Van Damme. Like, are there certain good guys that wouldn't fight one another in the game? Thought the point was you can fight whoever you wanted. You can. You pick anyone and fight anyone, so everyone should fight. And I think about The Avengers. Remember that movie? We want to see my dad can beat up your dad. Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man get into a three-way fight in the desert. You think that your heroes aren't going to fight each other, but they can work out their differences in a little bit of aggression in a non-lethal type of fight to see which one's better in a one-upsmanship kind of way. We could have had Chun-Li fight Guile because they have different M.O.s and different ideas of what should be done in the name of justice and Chun-Li has to fight her way out of the base in order to go dress up as a dancing girl. Sure, give me a pen. I can write that in. Unfortunately, this movie sucks. Yeah, what I'm hearing is very much what this movie feels like, which is they wrote scenes and then once those scenes were filmed, they went back and filled in just a little bit of connective tissue in between those scenes to make it feel like it wasn't such a herky-jerky change of scenery. And I can imagine that it's really hard to work 16 characters and give them all brilliant storylines. Some people are going to fall by the wayside, so you pick a couple. I mean, obviously Van Damme, if he's Guile, he's going to get the major one. And then maybe, yeah, he wasn't expecting it, but gets partnered with this reporter and she's tagging along. I mean, at one point we have this Brit coming in and saying, I'm shutting down your whole operation, we're paying the fine. So that's 
the kickoff to the plot, right? We, you can't go in with your invasion. Uh, you're going to have to go it alone, go rogue. And then he's followed by this reporter. But you follow in a rogue movie style. You follow them as they try to find this base. And you meet the characters one by one until they gather the team to invade. I mean, wouldn't that make more sense to slowly bring in all the characters over time rather than have all these different storylines that just don't bounce off one another? I mean, I feel like you could cut Ryu and Ken out of this movie and no one would notice. And Hawk and Cammy. Well, I still don't know who Hawk is. I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Hawk is basically just a sidekick. I don't even think he has any speaking parts. But yeah, Stuart, what you're saying is perfect because, you know, everybody could end up having the same end goal, which is, you know, take down Bison. Right. And the conflicts could be between the characters and how they want to go about it. You know, Chun-Li could be more about doing it honorably and Guile could be more about brute force. And even if they want to keep this characterization of Ryu and Ken, where they're kind of the more mischievous, kind of fly-by-the-seat-of-their-pants type of guy, that's great. That's another motivation, another way to show these characters. But we're not getting any of that here. It's a lot of characters, and I feel for anyone that had to write, that said, mandate Capcom, you have to do this. But Capcom also should have mandated that these characters needed to demonstrate who they were through martial arts, through prowess, through fighting, to just throw them into what's essentially running to and fro is messy. Well, so it's overly complex at this point. What would you guys say if I told you, for no good reason whatsoever, somebody above the AN comes in to shut them down for some reason or another. Right. Does that add to your comprehension? Again, I would do that at the beginning. Shut down Van Damme. He's so arrogant and he's been told no more troops. So now he has to go it alone and people have to work with him and they don't like him. I mean, I think that that would work at the beginning of the movie. But yeah, as the kickoff to the climax in which they're ready to go, he's got it mapped out. I'm going to come from the south in a stealth boat. I'm not sure how that works, but it's an invisible boat that's all... Bla it looks like a stealth plane, but it's a boat. I'm like, that works <laughs> in a plane because... Uh, never mind. Actually, it was going to be a plane, but the government officials were afraid people would think they were actually being invaded. So <laughs> they decided, alright, we're going to have to switch it to a boat. Yeah. <laughs> at, at any rate, they got it all worked out. He's going to do the macho brave thing with him and Kylie Minogue coming from the south while the other guys are on foot and take them by surprise from behind. Yeah, why they, they would suddenly be willing to pay the ransom and shut this all down feels like a conflict only a small child under the age of 13 would understand. The middle of this movie is essentially people running around Keystone Cop style until they're all chained up in the headquarters and Va it's just Van Damme, you know, who's going to come in and save the day. But Van Damme is coming with an entire squad of people because, yes, they had their Death Star briefing scene, which was freaking me out that they were having the Death Star briefing only halfway into the movie. I'm like, there's an hour left of movie here. And that's when they decide to roll in the tanks. And yet yeah, it is really a mess in here. And when you talk about these characters, I, again, they said one of their inspirations was Star Wars. That briefing scene shows it. But imagine if we'd had a point of view character, if we'd had droids or something that is coming into the middle of this. And Guile would have been the obvious one because he's the colonel who's been brought in at the last minute. And he, instead of giving us this news burst of information at the beginning, if we discover stuff as he encounters more and more people and amasses a team of people like Ken and Ryu because they happen to be 
I go to Casablanca. You know, the, they could be the Humphrey Bogarts of Shadaloo City. Yeah, they could have even done what they do here, but don't make it rigged. I mean, the way that they ruin it is by Guile saying, all right, you're working for me now. But what if those guys had just been rounded up in a POW camp and broke out and then joined the bad guys? Again, you want to see the good guys amass people. You want to see the bad guys amass people. And then they come together for a climax where they work it out and maybe people switch sides and... Again, there's so many ways to do it. It's very perplexing because I don't feel like it serves either movie audiences or video game audiences that they've done it this way. Chun-Li is discovered. Bison takes her into his room and puts her in a special dress. Very Raiders of the Lost Ark, the way Marion is taken into Bollock's tent and given a dress. And She finally looks like the character in the video game. She's got her hair in the buns and all of that. It was finally like a moment where I was like, oh good, is she going to do some kicks? Because that's what I think of when you say Chun-Li. I think of those thighs going super kicking. Not quite. She's going to, and Bison's going to run away. <laughs> He's going to hide behind a elevator. When we first get to see her, she does kick his ass. I mean, she gets a good kick in when he's not looking. And she gives this big speech, basically, I am Chun-Li. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Yeah, very Princess Bride. <laughs> but they don't give us the fight. I want a fight. Right, yes. Once again, we get blue-balled by a fight that doesn't happen. And it was really weird, the lighting in this scene. I had to rewind it and watch it twice because essentially Bison is trying to seduce Chun-Li here in this moment. And for whatever reason, just because he's Bison and he's evil and he wears red, his room is all lit red throughout the beginning of the scene. But as he tries to sexy it up, the lights turn to blue. Like, <laughs> it makes everybody look sickly and... Blue is not a romantic color to be basking in. It was just a very strange choice for a movie that's very much at this point riding on its visuals. Yeah, and we complained about that with Double Dragon with Super Mario Brothers. At the very least, the bare minimum I expect when I sit down to watch a video game movie is that it looks cool, right? That this person has usually come from music videos or somewhere where they've advertising, they've honed their visual style, and no matter how dumb it gets or how monotonous the story becomes, I will always be able to look at something and say, well, at least it's cool. And that has not happened in this series at all. Not <laughs> once. We will eventually get to better visuals in video game movies. But yeah, these are the early ones, and they're all downplaying it. And when they do break out their costumes later on, it is a little bit head-scratching why Kylie Minogue is suddenly wearing a one-piece bathing suit and pigtails. Admittedly, some of them are hard to explain. But again, the setup doesn't serve the costuming and, and the looks of this. But that was one of the delights of the game is that it globetrotted and that you could go wherever you wanted and you had cool backgrounds. Here we're mostly in this fake Myanmar. The temple's cool. I'll give you that. Once they finally find out where the headquarters is, there's a temple that they got to raid. That was fairly convincing on the exterior. But yeah, just not a lot of cool visuals. Nothing about this is very visually appealing at all. There was a scene that was actually, it was a little disturbing to me until they played it off like Wiley Coyote, is while Chun-Li is being quote-unquote seduced, Honda and Balrog are taken down to be caned. And I'm like, that is brutal. And apparently 
it was in the news at the time. That was when the American was being caned overseas and ah. the government was trying to get involved. So it was going to be a torture scene. They decided to play it off like Honda could just ignore it. And I'm like, okay, I'll go with that. He's a big guy. He could have a high pain threshold. But when they showed the scars on his back, I'm like, damn, that's still a little brutal. Even if he's not screaming in pain, to see what the marks that that thing did, this movie, like so many we've covered so far in this series, doesn't know what exactly it wants to be. Yeah, Honda was my guy. I, I like him in the game, so it was really disappointing to see him being played as basically the nice doofus who's going to end up fighting the bad doofus, the Zangief, who is really, <laughs> I mean, this is children's theater right here. I mean, he is always the one that doesn't understand simple things, is saying the silliest of things. Really reminds me of the Rocksteady and Bebop kind of supporting character. <laughs> yeah, I'd say he's Rocksteady and DJ is Bebop. Well, DJ is smart. He's the computer guy, at least, and he's smart enough to know he needs to get out of here. Once the conflicts escalate to something, I guess you could call a climax, he's the one that's trying to escape and abandon ship while Raul Julia thinks he has a chance against Van Damme. Well, yeah, so Van Damme and team, they go crashing in thinking all they have to do is sneak up on this thing from the east because that's the way the river runs. So, yeah, of course, you're coming from the east and doesn't realize that, yeah, Bison's going to have some mines floating out there for you. So it's not going to be as easy to get in there as they were hoping. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there was at least five or six boats that took off at the same time. We see one blow up. Where were the rest of them after that? Well, they even make it look like a video game. At one point, it looks like Bison is looking at a CGI shooter, kind of like a first-person thing where he's taking out this quote-unquote stealth boat. I'm like, well, it's good you're getting to video games. It doesn't look a thing like Street Fighter, but I at least applaud that. But no, none of this fighting is very appealing. Maybe they don't have the cast to do the martial arts. I don't know how good each individual... I'm betting Kylie is probably not very proficient in anything other than yoga but I just feel like even when it's just time to blow up things not appealing there's just again way too much gunfire in a movie about a game that's supposed to be about fists and feet and we do get to see some of that inside the base Ken and Ryu are running around and they start fighting goons but I think the mistake is here they have all the showdowns. They've set up like everybody against everybody. We're finally going to get Ryu versus Vega. And we're going to get the two big guys to square off. Honda versus Zangief. And they're going to make a Godzilla joke out of it because Bison had this little diorama of how he envisioned making a utopian land. Yeah, Bisontropolis. With a food court. Because all the major franchises are going to want to get in there. Or at least Jack in the Box. <laughs> Jack in the Box. <laughs> and they're smashing Bisontropolis and they literally insert Godzilla roar sounds. But they're intercutting between all of these. And so we're not getting a good showcase. We get a shot of Honda and Zangief kind of wrestling each other and we get a couple shots of Ryu and Vega kicking each other but the focus all happening simultaneously is Guile versus Bison and Raul Julia I know they had a stuntman for some of this I know they filmed it first because they realized they had to do Raul Julia's stunts up first before he got weaker but this fight has nothing going for it and you're right Stuart while Van Damme does a couple nifty little spin kicks and some stuff in his repertoire, because they're trying to make him do video game moves, like a cartwheel kick and things, we're not even really getting to see him 
do what he does best because he's on wires and trying to make fake video game moves instead of the real moves that make his other films visceral. Yeah, you mean the splits? Yeah, which is a little bit, probably the biggest sin of this entire production is that they neither let Van Damme do his Van Damme moves, nor do they actually replicate Guile's moves from the game. You know, it's either one or the other. Oh, they do what Guile does. He does a lot of the kick. A little bit. They it just seems to me like it was an artistic choice not to do the superpowers. You know, that when you do some kind of weird combination and all of a sudden something's orating from your body and, you know, waves of power, they get away from special effects shots. All the moves are just physical combat moves. They don't have Chun-Li's magic kick you know her leg is like vibrating until it glows kick in the air they just made a choice to veer away from magic right yeah no sonic boom right that kind of stuff they play that down does it make this film more realistic i can't tell you here's what they should have done look at ral julia say all right he's not fighting anyone and we just have the monster that he made be the thing that fights guile but they even kind of fudged that up because the doctor dalsim has fed into the programming you know he's been conditioned watching violence for 70 percent of the time but for 30 percent of the time he's been watching youtube videos of kittens and weddings <laughs> and so now he's a cuddly hulk and he really is wearing the worst version of the 1970s Hulk wig that there could be. I mean, they totally Lou Ferrigno, this guy. Oh, yeah, Lou's laughing. I mean, <laughs> Lou is laughing. Yeah, because this guy is no Lou. He is not a bodybuilder. Mm -mm. It looks like your average fit guy who you might have pulled off of some one-on-one -on, -one on a basketball court and said, you're good enough. We're going to put some body paint on you. You're the new Hulk. Yeah, this... Wow. You're right, Arnie. This is the before guy of... Have an extra 10 pounds you need to drop? Try hydroxy cutter, you know? Yes. <laughs> but come on, my mom did better costumes than this for Halloween. You know, this is a cheap wig. They barely could even be bothered covering his entire body with green. I think I could see parts behind his nose where he had rubbed it, where it's like, oh, yep, there's his skin. And I missed this. I watched this movie twice, once normal, once with commentary. And even after the commentary, I had to go back and watch a third time because of, there's a blink and you'll miss it scene where Dalsum gets chemicals spilled on him. Because later on, I'm like, wait, why is he bald? But some chemicals spill on him and it spills specifically on his arm. They're saying in the commentary that that could set up that he'll have super stretchy powers in the sequel. At this point, I have to wonder if Roger Corman's failure at the Fantastic Four and his special effects with Mr. Fantastic stretching kind of informed their willingness to even try that with Dalsim here, because we get nothing other than a guy who sort of looks like Dalsim from the game. But you know what? Roger Corman had a million dollars. These guys had $35 million, which stretches a lot more, even taking out the Van Damme money. I mean, they should have some money to do something that looks cool, and nothing looks cool here. Yeah, you have a creature design for this end monster here. I mean, this is what I'd expect on the red carpet as you walk in to watch the movie. This is, a uh, yeah, this is not your in-monster boss. Very poor choices with all the artistic costuming, camera work, all of that. They're not capturing the action. They're not making a, a aesthetically pleasing world. Uh, they're failing on all fronts. And this fight with Bison, they do work in a couple of lines straight from the video game, and that's a plus. 
when they're facing off against each other, Guile says, are you man enough to fight with me? And Bison says, any who opposes me will be destroyed. But then I got really uncomfortable when Bison says, you've made me a happy man. And Guile responds, next, I'll make you a dead one. Yeah, that's again, you just, can you imagine them doing this with any other actor? There's just no way that we can know that someone that is dead on screen, we can enjoy watching them be pummeled to bits as their final cinematic moment. They're goodbye to us after a decade of solid performances from this man to watch him be brutalized by a B-level action star <laughs> is no fun for anyone. I gotta give Raul Julia some serious props though. I'm gonna stop kicking this movie while it's down. You need to give him some props because the props they gave him look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> he commits to this role completely. And you know what? Everybody I've talked to, and even back at the time, I was reading the entertainment magazines, and they were talking about Raul Julia, and everybody I talked to was like, Raul Julia, he was such a good actor. He was Gomez Adams. He was in Presumed Innocent. What a great actor. I can't believe he's gone. I can't believe his last movie's this turd. But he did this movie to be with his son. His son loved this game. His son could come to the set. It was a way to spend time with his son and connect with his son over the property. So if you're going to do a piece of shit movie, you're at least going to do it for noble reasons. And he chews up scenery with a plum. And in this end scene, I'm still not convinced they didn't put like ping pong balls over his eyes the way his eyes bulge out they look like wonky action figure eyes instead of actual human eyes but i think he's really like just bulging his eyeballs out as he's flying around on these wires they make him look ridiculous when he gets his powers with the glowy boots where he's like dime store magneto I was thinking of Nuclear Man, but yes. The, <laughs> the descent into a theme park kind of silliness at the end here. I mean, this is stage show at Universal Studios crap. Yeah, the wire foo before wire foo is just not working here because it, it really does just look like Raul Julia on a wire. I mean, you guys saw Turn Off the Dark. Was it about the same amount of production quality? Oh, no. It looked much better than this. <laughs> Sometimes. Raul Julia has lost so much weight, it's like flying a kite on your set at Van Damme. It's really just sad. I see that they brought in the powers. And I guess it was kind of clever that he has a CPR suit that would bring him back to life. So, again, Raul Julia is dead. Guile kills him. He's resuscitated, and Kyle kills him again. I yeah. mean, it just doesn't end. Exactly. <laughs> and again, what are we rooting for? Yeah, there are 63 nameless people that are kind of being held in a steel pit that are being ushered out now. I think Kylie Minogue is being given the actual responsibility of saving the people. What the whole thrust of the movie supposedly was about is that they're being rescued by Kylie Minogue and being run out of the temple before it explodes for cliched reasons. It's what you do at the end. It, every Bond movie ends with the layer blowing up. So for reasons that I'm sure are explained in a moment that I missed, the base blows up. It has something to do with the chemicals, with Blanca and Dalsium, and Blanca never even gets into a real fight. I mean, if you're going to go through the trouble of mutating your monster, give him something to do. But again, even the big Russian guy turns into a cuddly teddy bear that helps them out. I don't think that we should think of this as kickboxer, Kumite, Van Damme. This is Morphin. 
right? This is a morphin time. This might even be Teletubbies. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go that far back, but at least with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, there were more fights. But we are finally up to the point where fights have happened. We've seen some camaraderie. And what are we left with? We're left with everybody kind of going their own way. And what was solved? Bison was defeated. And what was saved again? 63 hostages. Right. There was hostages this whole time, which I think they talk about exactly twice in this movie. Once at the beginning and once when they remind us once we get to the actual final scenes. No, there's the scene of Raul Julia saying the government was too cheap. I'm going to kill you all now. And Oh, you're right. But he had been killing them anyway. I mean, we'd seen him snapping their necks and throwing them into that pit. So I don't think all 62 make it out of there. But it's an anonymous way of saying that you've saved the day. It is very Darth Vader when he snaps the neck and things. But this ending where everybody's changing allegiances, they're all on each other's side, DJ and Sagat decide to steal the money. Of course it's Bison Bucks. You know it's Bison Bucks. Zangief <laughs> is going to team up with Honda, who they've been fighting for so long, to escape out the front door. They're just all going to be there and vamp for a shot like the end of an episode of Chips. Uh, but how about that soundtrack, Arnie? I know you love your 90s soundtracks, and I know you love your MC Hammer. What, do you, what about this duet with Deion Sanders? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> really? I thought you would have had this maybe a couple of copies. <laughs> no, I... Farsight, LL Cool J? I'll tell you this. I like the Ice Cube Street Fighter song. I really do. But I don't feel that the music was given focus enough. I bet if I bought the soundtrack and listened to it, there'd be songs on it I'd like. I usually like LL Cool J. However, this movie does not showcase its music properly. No, Hammer should have been one of the dudes. I'm kind of disappointed because he was like in the low point. I mean, this was past, way past too legit to quit. It was time to quit, actually. It was <laughs> pumps in a bump, Hammer. I mean, I think he could have <laughs> used this to try and show he was tough. I, I would have enjoyed it if he had been DJ or something. Yeah, he could have been DJ. It would have been good. And here with Raul Julia again after the Adams Family rap. But I was going to say, yeah, does he come as a package deal with Raul Julia? Or? <laughs> His career died with Raul Julia, too. <laughs> yes, he comes and goes with it. But straight to my feet is no Adams Family groove. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said about that until we cover the Adams Family movies, I suppose. Because our show never ends, we'll get there. <laughs> so, Justin, Stewart, the counter's going down. Do you want to continue playing Street Fighter? Justin. You know, it's kind of funny. We, we've been sitting here ripping on this movie a lot, and it deserves everything that we've thrown at it. But I, I'm going to confess, I actually had a little bit of a good time watching this. And I, I'll tell you how I'll tell you how I did it. All right, now there's going to be a fight, finally, at last. <laughs> and you're going to get your ass kicked. But please go um, on. We, the last few movies that we've watched that have been somewhat disastrous, we've been asking, who is this for? Who are they aiming this at? And this one I figured out pretty early on. They're aiming this directly at 13-year-old Justin. So I watched this movie as a 13-year-old, and I watched it as a guy who... Didn't really care about the story. I just wanted to see some dudes that I like from my video game that I like playing do some other stuff. And from that standpoint, there's enough of things going on on screen to keep me entertained for an hour and a half. Really? Because there's, they don't do anything for that first hour. No, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to say you have to revert back to the day. Remember being young enough that, like, 
in the same way, like the Star Wars holiday special was cool enough because it was just more Star Wars stuff. No, yes, I was never that age. Okay. I'll give you this. The best version of a video game we've seen so far is that Lou Albano Mario. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm reverting back to that and going, yeah, okay. <laughs> I remember when that was entertainment. I guess what I'm saying, it's playtime in a sandbox with Street Fighter action figures without any real story or plot to chew onto. Did I like this movie? No. Am I going to sit down and watch it again? No. But at least they did give more effort to making the people in the movie look like the video game they pulled it from than anyone we've watched so far. So I'm going to give them a little bit of props there. But yeah, there's a reason I did not see this movie when it came out. And it's the same reason I'm not going to see it again in the future. So, yeah, it's not going to be a recommend on this end. Oh, thank God. The way you were going, I was like, <laughs> I, you hate on this yeah. movie for 90 minutes. Uh -huh. Oh, but the 13-year-old and me, Green Arrow, was going to be like, what? Yeah, I was seething. Just saying, 13-year-old me, this movie, more than Mario or Double Dragon at this point. But still a no. Stewart. Okay, I'll go that far. Yes. Is the of those three, <laughs> this one is the best because it's the most that plays to children. And so in that respect, yes, I think children will enjoy seeing some of the characters they love playing in the video game, walking around on screen, might be wondering why they're not fighting. But yes, there might be again, there's always an attraction to watching something you love from the medium of video game gets turned into live action. I think that there's just something cool about that anytime you do it. But this is a horrible miscalculation. Again, I don't understand how this no-brainer concept in which all you have to do is string together a series of fights with cool people with different powers, how that's hard to do, but somehow they made this overly complex, nonsensical plot in which it neither serves war movie fans, Van Damme fans, video game fans, or children. There's no one that is going to get what they need out of this. It is a cluster f that Capcom should have been more on the ball with. I don't understand if they weren't letting this property get turned into a Hollywood movie. I don't know how it got turned into something that does not resemble Street Fighter. So not recommend? Strong. <laughs> like Honda Strong. <laughs> With the fury of fist flying rejected. Yeah, I feel like I walked up to an arcade game, put my quarter in, and it didn't play. It ate my quarter and left me with nothing. I guess they called this movie Street Fighter because if they called it Street Talker, it wouldn't sell so well. This movie made a ton of money, I want to add. What? It made a hundred million dollars global. Well, global. And it's because it kept taking quarters and giving nothing in return. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> the only thing that would make it worse is I was eating Jack in the Box. <laughs> But yeah, I'll agree with you, Justin. Of all the movies we've reviewed so far in the video game series, and for most of the ones we're looking up towards ahead, too, I appreciate the little details. There were a lot of them. That Bison's floating desk had actually a Street Fighter control stick as a, the thing with all the buttons and the colors. That they tried to do the outfits in a semi-believable way. That most of them were not super ridiculous but just ridiculous right i mean they weren't super <laughs> ridiculous because they were fucking ridiculous that a lot of the moves were here that each of the characters can do 
when there were fights, they really were looking at the game. D'Souza played this game weekly with his son before taking the job. Mm. He knew this game well, and it was like, I don't know if he was a part-time dad, but what he said on the commentary is every Saturday morning, my son and I would play this game. So he knew the moves. He included those kinds of callbacks. But what he didn't include was a cohesive story or a plot that could actually grab you. A Street Fighter movie should grab you and then throw you down over its shoulder. And this movie doesn't grab you at all. I can't believe how poor it is on virtually every level. Mm. The opening credits costume by lady, thumbs up to you. The costumes looked not super ridiculous. <laughs> but Raul Julia is the only person who seems game to be here. I like Ming-Na Wen, but not here. And I have enjoyed many Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, but he is bad here. Kylie Minogue, yeah, I like can't get you out of my head, but I can't figure out where she is in this movie. Yeah, I can get this out of my head real fast. Lickety split. And the humor never works. The line, oh man, I should have stayed at Microsoft, came out of left field. I don't know where this is going. This is a really, really, really strong not recommend. This is this movie has the stars above its head and it's wobbling and I'm going to do my final hajuken and take it out. It's not even funny bad. This is, I think even Mario had more going for it visually mm. and conceptually than this did. Watch yourself now. See, yeah. here's what I would say is that maybe you had more affection for the video game so that it was done so wrong by this movie makes you angrier. But this is clearly better than Super Mario Brothers and Double Dragon. Mm, is it clearly better than Mario? I mean, Mario at least had dinosaurs is what I keep going back to. <laughs> and this... Yoshi is better than this movie's Blanca. He was repulsive. No, I, I that was a gross, disgusting. It would be like going to your fridge to get that sandwich you wanted to eat and finding it covered in mold. And that thing was <laughs> inedible. This is edible for children. That Blanca looked like the episode of The Incredible Hulk where there was the evil Hulk. You mean the movies you made me watch? The quote-unquote movies you made me watch and recommend? Yeah, it was a lot like that crap. <laughs> I never made you watch the Evil Hulk episode, and it scared me as a child. But no, this is incompetent on all levels, and perfectly in line. I mean, again, go back to those movies I listed that D'Souza was doing right now. Hudson Hawk, Beverly Hills Cop 3, Stallone's Judge Dredd. If you like that level of shit, you probably enjoy this too. Wow. Well, now I want to do that Beverly Hills Cop retrospective. I never saw the third one. It could not be this bad. Oh, my God, it is. <laughs> and George Lucas is in it. <laughs> another day, another battle. I'm weary. I want to throw in my gloves and go home. Now, this movie, again, told you it made a lot of money. That hurts me. There was talk of a sequel. <laughs> of course there was. Okay. As late as 2003, they... We're working with Jean-Claude to get him back as Guile. Mm -hmm. Depending on which interview you listen to, they might have gotten back Damien Chapa to play Ken again. And maybe Ryu would return as well. Oh, how would they get those guys? They were such big <laughs> stars in the late 90s. But if you read the interview with Jean-Claude Van Damme, he'd be the only one reprising his role. They had signed him. They signed Dolph Lundgren to play in an unknown role. I personally am betting the new Zangief. I mean, he can do, I will crush you. So maybe that, but they had Van Damme, 
They had Lundgren, and everything was getting ready to go. They ran out of time. Notice, this was a universal picture. It started with that logo turning into a claymation earth, turning into the Street Fighter logo. The rights reverted back to Capcom. When we talk about this next, it's going to be a 20th Century Fox film. Well, that's a good idea. I think it's time to hand it to somebody else. Universal has shown they didn't know what to do with the property. So I'm game. Whatever's next, I'm betting it's better. But this story of Guile and the scientist Dalcium and his friend Charlie Blanca did continue on television in animated form for two seasons, Street Fighter, the animated series. I haven't seen any of this, but it has to play like a weekly G.I. Joe type of cartoon, right? It is very, very much G.I. Joe, where each week, Bison is doing something, and they have to send Guile in, and Guile picks the teammates that are going to go with him, usually Chun-Li, and then often Blanca and a few others, and they have to go in and stop his mission. It's weird because it obviously calls back to this movie. They talk about Bison's defeat at Shadaloo, and... They discuss how Blanca was a scientific experiment and Dalsium was a scientist and Chun-Li was a reporter. They bring this stuff up in the series, but yet it's not following this. It's not following this type of story. It cherry picks stuff, but goes its own way. It's actually better than this movie. I didn't watch every episode. I watched about four and while it has a real G.I. Joe aesthetic, the thing I'll credit it for is it has a continuing storyline over the two seasons where Cammy becomes a double agent and gets brainwashed and then comes back and spoiler alert, at the end of season two, they kill Bison. Like it's over. It's like an arc story that goes over two seasons and ends. It's almost like a Netflix series 20 years earlier. So, <laughs> well, I mean, to me, Street Fighter is an endeared enough property that if it can survive a movie like this and some middling cartoons and stuff like that and still be around today in pop culture I wouldn't be against a reboot of something to show us all these characters again in live action but I don't think that's what we're getting next week is it? Oh yeah next week is a complete reboot and we will get some of these characters again in live action but I guess that's a discussion for another week if you want to hear us discussing more fighting, not video game related, but certainly super powered kung fu, patrons got last Friday our review of The Last Dragon. So that is available now. If you want to hear it, head to our donation page, now playing podcast forward slash donate. And if you enjoyed this podcast, head to iTunes. We could really use a five star review. We would greatly appreciate that as well. Stuart, Justin, thank you for joining me. And until next week, in the immortal words of Raul Julia, GAME OVER! And defeat is a possibility. Very well. We shall face it together, DJ, with the stoicism of the true warrior.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. That was beautiful. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. We're coming! We're coming! Charlie! Charlie! Hang on, buddy. We're coming! We're coming! And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other video game movies, including Resident Evil, Double Dragon, Super Mario Brothers, The Wizard, and more. I couldn't help feeling like I was being led somewhere new. Was this mysterious scroll a message? I had to find out. Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. You have made me a happy man. Next, I'll make you a dead one. Do you want to continue? Insert money now to keep playing, now playing. The world thought very little of you, my dear guests. Too little to pay the pittance I asked for. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. As the AN deposited the 20 billion in my Swiss bank. Hell no dinner. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Show your loyalty to me right now, and we'll have no problems. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. I don't have any money. Should try hawking those gold handcuffs. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month, plus even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. When people are hungry, there's nothing they won't do. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss these movies and games with other listeners. But don't you want to speak to the world audience? No, but I do want to talk to someone. That bastard bison! If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book, underrated movies we recommend get reviews of 125 films our hosts love you can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. tell you what after i've crushed my enemies we'll see about getting you published you can follow now playing on facebook and twitter where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. I'm giving you a chance to join us, to become part of the web, to fight for something far greater than yourself. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. Come here, prepare to fight a madman, and instead you found a god? Now Playing's video game retrospective series is edited by Arnie. Oh man, I should have stayed at Microsoft. Now Playing credits read by Brock. You will choke on those words anytime, dickhead. 
Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. We need safe passage and no damn customs. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. Because there are enemy spies everywhere among us, General. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Venganza Media Incorporated. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2018, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the express written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Sonic Boom! We have reached Mortal Kombat. It's amazing. No? <laughs> <laughs> we reached our first blooper. You wish this were Mortal Kombat. No. It's the one with Van Damme. Sonic Boom! So so what do you think about the Fantastic Four reboot that had Denny's? <laughs> Worst than Jack in the Box. <laughs> Sonic Boom! You know Ming Na Win back when? <laughs> I actually told her that when I got the autograph. I'm like, I watched you on the single guy. I watched your Street Fighter. I've been following you for decades. That came out creepy, didn't it? <laughs> I actually said that to her. <laughs> Sonic Boom! It's a really, really, really strong recommend. Like, not recommend you mean. <laughs> Getting a little punchy. Yeah. <laughs> a really strong recommend. Now we're all surprised. Wait, what? Okay. Up is down. Sonic Boom.